This non-typical nation podcast is brought to you by Old Smokes Coffee, crafted coffee for the courageous. And that, folks, is the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Sanford with Old Smokes Coffee. Remember, use promo code non-typical at oldsmokescoffee.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by T-Rex Knives. Check out T-Rex Knives for all of your custom handcrafted knife needs. These guys will customize a knife for you. There's an array of blade designs. You can get a handle made of absolutely anything, whether you want antler, horn, um, stabilized hardwood. You think it up and they will design it for you. Tell T-Rex Knives Non-Typical Nation sent you and you'll save 5% off your next knife order. That is T-R-A-X Knives. We are well into predator season. Whether you're chasing big cats or small cats, big dogs or little dogs, your go-to game call is from Smith Game Calls. They have all types of calls, whether you like uh, mouth reads, open read, close read, anything you want to use to bring those predators in, go to Smith Game Calls, use promo code NONTYPICAL for 15% off. This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your host, Brody Teal and Eric Labrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. We are back, back with another podcast. Um, you just wrapped up that Smith Game Calls ad. Have you ever called in bears? Um, I've tried it. I've I've actually used, I will, I will often use, I will often use an elk read. Yes. So I, I always have, um, one thing I always have in my binocular harness is a couple elk reeds, no matter reeds, the season. Yeah. There's yeah. just, you know, um, whether I'm screwing around with them in the truck or they're just a great thing to have. They're sort of, um, they're an asset to make a natural sound, Yeah. you know, yeah, whether sure. it's you're hunting a deer or a bear or whatever. So back to bears, I've used them often to make uh, a distress yes. call. And uh, that that'll get a bear to you know sometimes stand up or maybe come come out of the thick brush and sort of put eyes on you again. Yeah, and uh, it's it's worked. I've never like sat and called for bears though. I wonder what it would be like sitting at a bait when you know there's bears around in the area, and using a call. Yeah, like, and just see if you get something. Just I'm sure you can. I know guys do it. Like I know yeah. a lot of guys that will sit at baits and use a rabbit call. Yeah interesting and uh or or you know well i mean it, i guess it sort of goes with baiting but those smoking sticks yeah a lot of guys will use those too yeah i uh actually when i killed my first bear at the bait with the bow 2018 i think that was um i utilized those smoking sticks quite a bit that season um did you like them i, I don't think they, think they i didn't have a lot of action at that you bait know, you know that's that that bait that you and um, your girlfriend sat last year. Okay. The, it the seems old, the like there's always from, yeah. one or two bears there when you aren't there. Yeah. But when you are there, it's always dead. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just maybe I don't know if it's the way we walk in. We might have or, a, we might have the setup just a little bit wrong. A little bit maybe wrong. Sitting in the wrong tree, right? Yeah, because that's one thing I've noticed with that bait is there's never a lot of bears. 
And I've chopped that up to just the fact that there's a lot of people baiting in that particular area. And there is. We know that there's at least two other baits within a mile. Yeah. Right? And probably a couple more. Yeah. So, um, but there's always been decent sized bears at that one. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was the first bear episode that I had filmed. And that was the one we aired it on Hunt Channel. It's on YouTube right now. And I think it was like my fifth day or sixth day of seeing nothing. This bear finally came in. By that point, I've already burned through all of my smoking sticks. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, whether they work or not, I don't know. But the bears weren't around the first five days I was sitting there. And then finally on, you know, the that, day I uh, killed the bear, it, that it happened. That bait's funny. But... Last year, it's crazy. You know, we, we, we were on top of our baiting last year. We, yeah, we, we walked were... in in three feet of snow Yeah, and, and had our barrels filled. You know, basically the first week we were legally allowed to. Yeah. And and we kept them full, and the the bears were on that bait heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have an opportunity to sit at it right away. And then come late season, it was like they were ghosts. Yeah. You check the camera, they were there every single day. And, you know, you're sitting up in the tree stand, and you're checking the camera, you know, when you get there. You're waiting for a bear to show up, and a bear never just doesn't show up. We sat there, yeah. we sat there like six days. And we only saw one bear. Yeah, that that bait's always. And every day, you know, we'd we'd sit two days in a row, take a day off, two days in a row, or whatever. And every day we weren't there, there was bears. Yeah, and it was just wild. And that's how that bait has always sort of been for me. Um, but it always keeps you coming back because you're getting those photos of you know never a lot of bears. It, that like that was leads... never a bait where yeah. we would have like five different but bears throughout ones. the day. But like, we would have like one or two big ones together like we had on a day. Type three thing. big bears at that yeah. bait. One of year. them was huge. One of them was a tank. Like I, he might be close to twenty. I yeah. would say. And yeah. the other two were like the same size as each other, but they were, you know, they would have been Pope and Young. Yeah. And they were big, big bears. So I was. We hadn't. We didn't hunt that bear after Tim and I hunted it when we had our bear camp. Oh, I don't you guys th- sat at that bait? Yeah, Tommy we sat, on, sat at it. Tom, Tommy sat at day? it, and he had a coyote running in circles around right. the bait. He didn't have any bears come through. Tim wanted a big bear, right? So I said, well, you know, this is going to be our best chance. Yeah. We sat. Actually, no. Our last day, we drove where you killed your double header. Yeah. So we went, uh, we went northeast. Drove around all day. We seen one bear, you know, didn't really have a great opportunity at it. Then it started pouring rain. Yeah, it was raining that day. So I said, you know what? It's supposed to rain here, but where camp is an hour away, it's not calling for rain. So let's bolt back there. We'll spend the last five hours of the day in that tree stand. We got in that tree stand at like five o'clock, like it was getting late. And um, we sat there till 10 and yeah, nothing came through. We left and when I went and pulled my barrels um, on the last, I think it was the last day of the season, um, I checked that security camera I had that was on the trail, the trail just yeah. checking to see what was coming and going. And there was a lot of bears utilizing the walk trail that we yes. used. We were surprised um, yeah. how, how often they were using that same trail as us. And two different grizzly bears. Yes. One smaller one, one bigger one. And when I walked up to that bait to pull everything, the one you know, 55 gallon drum was squashed, just squished to the ground like a can, like a tin can. And that was a grizzly bear. I've seen big bears, big black bears lean on those, 
They can but, put a dent in them, but they, they'll but pop they right won't, back out. Yeah, yeah, like I think I sent you a video. It's squished yeah. right to the ground, and it was one of those real heavy white ones, and it had like the the hard red plastic around it, and he yeah. just squished it. it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know. It's things like that where you have a bunch of different bears coming in, not a lot all the time, but you do have a few big ones that sort of keeps the, the fire burning in some of these slow spots. But it leads me to believe that we have something wrong there, right? And it could just be the walking trail. It could be we that might we're have walking to go back on that and trail. Use the old and, trail. It, and so the and that trail <clears throat> where we enter the bush, yeah. we walk probably 50 yards, 60 yards to get to the tree stand. So they could be catching our scent 80 yards away and we might not even hear them oh, in yeah, the tree stand. For sure. If they're 80 yards away and the wind's blowing on a May day, the the uh, leaves are fluttering well, in, in the sky, valley you too. won't hear them. That's in a creek valley too. So the wind probably blows the same way all the time in that little creek valley. Yeah, so I'm trying to think where we are. So that wind is usually blowing... Like where the wind should be good, but if they're coming from behind us, they'll wind us every single time. And uh, that might be the issue. Because the bear I killed there, he came from where he was supposed to come from in front of us, didn't win me or anything. Out of the bush, out of the creek. In front, no. He came, the creek is to the, the left, left of, of us. us. He okay. came from right in front o'clock. of us. Yeah. yeah. And so the one bear that we saw with Katie, he came in, same bear. He, he actually came in twice, but the second time he came in, it was too dark to shoot. Yeah. And it was the same bear. We knew it. We were waiting for that bigger one, right? Mm-hmm. And he came in the same way both times. And he just looked up at us and just left. And, you know, he, he ran st- off. stole the guts off that were laying on the ground from the beaver. And then he just sort of wandered off. And it was just a matter of movement in the tree so stand or something. Where did he come from? The river? Did he, he come, come from, from the you? creek? The right? creek. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think that would have been like good wind, right? Yeah. But if they're coming from that other side, your right hand side, your old trail, yeah, remember your old trail is a little bit further down. Every time they must be winding us every time, hmm. and that's where they, we think there's another bait in there now. And that's too. the thing with big bears too; um, they're very, very cautious. So if you only have two or three big bears in that area, you might never see them. Yeah. But if you have two or three big bears and then five little bears who don't really know any better. Well, it's first come, first serve, right? So then they're they're getting in there when they can to get their bellies full. Yeah. Where these bears obviously aren't having an issue with that. Yeah, they don't have to fight. They don't have to fight over and bait. That could be attributed and probably is to the four other baits in the area, right? Yeah. That we know of. Yeah. And you even think our other bait is just on the other side of the creek. Probably yeah. as the crow flies, it's less than a mile too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's several baits sort of right in that same area. Those bears could just be full yeah. all day long, right? And they yeah. just go in a circle. So I want to run that bait again this year just because it's easy access. It's it's good to get to. It's a great stand. Um, but I would like to, you know, last hunting season, they allowed, when they had the fire ban, they continued to allow qua- or hunters with a valid bear license to use ATVs. That's right. Um so what I would like to do this year, assuming they're still going to allow that, because we know there's probably going to be a fire ban again. There always is in May. Um, try and get some baits a little bit farther back. You know, at, yeah, away like from a, the hot spot. A ten minute yeah. quad ride, yeah. which would which could be two kilometers or a kilometer farther back. Yeah. 
And that I think would make a big difference. I think so too, for sure. Because I've never start s- dipping into some new pockets of, of bears. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, the the best baits that I hunted, like John's baits, they are in the middle of nowhere basically it's a 20 minute quad ride so it's like 6k 7k back in the bush on a little crappy crappy quad trail that only gets used by him um but he you know you have four or five bears coming through on that quite regularly just because it's in the middle of nowhere yeah no one else is going back there and there's a lot of bears um you know and and I think that's what we got to do this year. I'm pumped right up. I can't wait. I want to hunt them from the ground again. Yeah, that was a super cool experience. Um, and even Braden's bear, like Braden's, we were at Charlie's bait and on the ground, and it was uh, it was something else. It's it was fun. It's cool. it's wild to be face to face with them, right? And, yeah, and looking over your shoulder and keeping an eye on everything, and yeah. you know, you're not you're not safe when you're you're not up in a tree. You know, bears climb the trees too, and you know everybody's seen videos and yeah. pictures of the of the bear clawing at the, at the guy's boots under the tree stand and stuff. But looking eye to eye to them, especially like your bear this spring, yeah, it walked right up to like fifteen yards and staring us yeah, right in the eyes. Wild. Right, I was telling you before, I, our camera caught you saying the old uh, "Oh no, oh no," just he as it stopped and looked at us. <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't think I'd. I do it by myself just after hearing Charlie's experience where he got swatted, like the bear swatted at him and then he had to shoot it and it was just, you know, mayhem. Um, You know, I'd like to have someone there with me if I'm going to hunt from the ground. But if I'm hunting, if I'm by myself, you know, I'll I'll sit in a tree. But uh, yeah, no, I'm excited, man. We always get amped up for bear season because you're cooped up, don't do much hunting all spring. and, uh, And bears are something that... You know, we've we're fortunate that we have a lot of opportunity for them around here. Yeah, two bears a year, and and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And there's an abundance, abundance. of them. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm getting excited. Uh, you know, we still have a lot of winter left. Feels like winter hasn't even started. It's been quite mild, but it has. Yeah, it's supposed to start getting cold again. This is still last year's calendar we're looking at. Yeah, I got to get a new calendar. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we have an old calendar in the house. <laughs> <still>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what we're doing, guys, on our last uh, our last podcast, we had that podcast question. Um, the question was, how big was Kyle Sinclair's 2020 black bear? Now, we aren't going to choose a winner on this podcast. On next podcast, we'll announce the winner. So you still have time to get us that answer. The reason why we did that is because we just released that last podcast like three days ago. So we want to give you guys some time to to listen to it, um, submit your answer, and then on next week's podcast, we will uh, announce the winner. So you still have time to enter that giveaway. Beauty. Yeah, you betcha. And so, um, yeah, we are, uh, you know, we are, have you got out check your wolf baits? Uh, no, no, I haven't been back to the wolf bait. I'm going to get there here, hopefully this weekend and, you know, check the camera, top it up. Yeah. It's been really warm, so I have no intention of hunting it right now. I'm hoping the bait is still there. I like, I I don't think it'll be right emptied out. Do you think it's, it's better that it's warm? So it's, 
you know, it, it smells maybe a little bit more? Oh, no, think? I'm sh- I think they can smell it. They know where it is. They've okay. visited it already. Uh, it's not a matter of attracting attracting them to it anymore. Keeping them there so you want your bait to last. Yeah, I, I don't want... Because I don't have the time to get out there, with the days being so short, and I have no don't really have an interest in doing it in the pitch black, especially yeah. by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... It's better if there's still bait there and, you know, they keep coming back and chewing on it for a bit. And then yeah. I really stock it up right before I want to sit. Yeah. Um, so when you're setting up a wolf bait like that, what are you, like, where are you, what are you looking for? So like a, an ideal like wolf what's bait. what's the ideal setup for placement of a bait for, for wolves? So a wolf bait, the thing with wolves is, is they're, they're smarter than you. Um, you should just accept that if you're going to go after wolves, they have all the advantage over us. You know, they, they live in the woods, they live where you're hunting them. Uh, they can smell better, hear better, see better than you. And there's multiple of them, right? Sometimes there's half a dozen, sometimes there's a couple dozen. And so when you're setting up a wolf bait, what you want is, you know, about a 200 yard circle, a 200 yard shooting lane. And what what's perfect, an ideal situation in a perfect world is something like an old gravel pit. An old gravel pit that's sort of started to brush in. The willows are poking out through, you know, where they've ex- excavated the little hills of gravel. And there's some cover. You can put a blind up on the hill. And about between 150 and 200 yards away down in the bottom, you're going to put your bait. And, you know, this this gravel pit might be next to a river or close to some oil field where there's lots of travel corridors for these wolves. You know, we have an abundance of wolves. We don't have an issue of finding them. It's never an issue of, like, finding an area where there is wolves. No, you don't have to hunt hard to find a wolf track. Basically, when you're setting up a wolf bait in northern Alberta, at least where we are, you can just go put a bait out. Pick a spot. You find an ideal shooting lane, a perfect place. You're like, this is a great spot to have a wolf bait. Put out bait, you're going to get wolves. Yeah, the way I've sort of looked at it is you want to set up that bait, not necessarily for the wolves because there's a lot of them, but set it up for yourself. Absolutely. Set it up where your wind is going to be good. Set it up where you have a good shooting lane. Set it up where you're maybe sitting in the shade and you don't have sun beaming on you because they will see you and they will catch your wind if that's not perfect. So set yourself up for the perfect shot opportunity. A comfortable shot opportunity at a distance where, you know, you racking a shell in um, or you, you know, taking a nervous fart before you pull the trigger isn't going to spook them. You know, you're at that 150, 200 yard range. Hopefully you're in like a comfortable box blind because it is cold when you're doing this stuff. And, and, you know, you don't have, you're not fumbling with mittens or taking gloves off. You're just ready to go and pull the trigger because even on a bait, that wolf is probably only going to give you, um, one shot opportunity. You know, you're not going to be, no, there's no way you're racking off two shots and you're not watching them for half an hour, watching them play around and wrestle and then deciding to shoot later. When you see them, you got to be ready. First time it turns sideways or it stops and sits you, you got to put a shell in it because yeah. it's it's gonna it's gonna like feel your eyes on it and yeah. and they just know they're yeah. just such a smart animal and so you want to set yourself up for success right and so it might take hours and hours and hours and hours and days of sitting in a in a stand mm-hmm. to get a wolf um, but 
when it comes to setting up a wolf bait, we here just have the luxury of not having to find the wolves. Yeah. So if you set up us, what you want to be is a, a successful wolf bait, and that's going to be you know a little bit of an elevated position in cover, good wind majority of the time. You know the best you can do, and just give yourself a good a good shooting lane and have patience yeah and you don't want to be walking through that bait to get to your hunting spot oh absolutely not yeah you want to right. be able to get like a back door into the bait just go right into just the go right into, right into the spot. right into the blind you don't want to have to pass it you, to yeah you don't want to have to yeah. like track through your bait to get to your that's blind. a mistake i made early on setting up you know deer stands and and bear baits and stuff like that is i just didn't know you know six seven years ago i would you know find a a good trail, find a good spot for my, my tree stand, a good shooting lane. And then I'd sit in there for four or five days wondering why I'm not seeing anything. And then you start to realize, well, I crossed this deer's trail yeah. to get to here. Um, you know, or I walked through the bear bait to get to my tree stand. Um, you know, or you have a, a coyote or wolf bait set up and I, I walked past the bait to get up to where I'm shooting. Well, no, you got to set yourself up for the perfect opportunity. Know where that wind's going to be blowing most of the time. And, uh, you know, give yourself a good shooting lane. And um, a wolf, a wolf sure might, you're you know, a wolf or a, a pack of wolves, a, a group of wolves, they might sit on the outskirts of a bait for hours if they feel like something's just not quite right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've seen it before. Where they're just they're just hanging out, you know. One one sort of got eyes on on the whole situation, and they just wait. Yeah. Something doesn't seem right. Yeah, I I bumped a pack of wolves out of a cut block this deer season, and they went into the riverbanks, and I never knew I bumped them until I realized that there was just fresh wolf tracks everywhere around me. And I sat down, was getting prepared for an evening sit for deer. I had a good vantage point. I'm like, surely deer is going to come out from these riverbanks and going to start feeding in one of these cut blocks. And all of a sudden, one wolf howls, then another one, then another one. And I was 200 yards from the riverbank. And they, I bumped them out of the cut block into the riverbank and um, never seen them run, nothing. They just snuck away. And uh, they howled back and forth there with me for like two and a half hours and um, couldn't pull them out. And they, you know, they're patient. They're, they, they know they better. Have all the time in the world. They, know, they better. know better. Yeah, I tried doing so some smart. like distress calls and. Just couldn't get him out. I was ready though, man. It was. It felt like it was gonna happen. Every time I howled, every time I let out a distress call, one of them would howl, and uh, it was freaking intense, super intense. But uh, you know, I've never, never had my scope or anything on a wolf. I've been close, had a lot of close opportunities, but I've never sat at a bait before. Usually, you know, we're we're just covering ground, having to look, looking for even something as simple as sheds, and then you see a wolf cross the trail, yep. and before yep. you know it, he's gone. So, yep. yeah, no, they're smart animals, and and yeah, you're in their territory, you're in their their house. They know that land better than you do, and they cover more ground than probably every single animal out there. Absolutely, and by quick. far. Yeah, yeah, and you you've got to outsmart, uh, you know, a dozen of them. Yeah. Right, you're not just outsmarting one puppy. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta trick them all, and and sometimes guys just, you know, everything just unfolds perfectly, and the pack walks out into the bait, and you get a couple shots off, maybe a couple wolves down. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's it's a little bit of luck. 
a good setup. If you setup. can figure out which one is at alpha and kill the alpha, there's a good possibility. Yeah, if if that a couple of the other ones might stick around. If you're lucky enough to have the pack come out and you can identify the alpha, shoot the big one. Yeah. And then you're gonna cut. Let's like cutting the head off the snake. Because I there's, there's gonna be a several, moment of distress. Yeah. Where they don't know what to do. I've had several clients come here with three or four wolves, and I ask them every time, "Hey, how how what happened?" Right. And the same story three or four times with these guys with multiple wolves. I killed the biggest one. The other three or four ran in circles, didn't know what to do, and I had the opportunity to kill two more. Yeah. Just because they rely and depend so heavily on that that lead that role. pack mentality yeah, yeah to uh to take them where they need to go yeah. and and make the decision so yeah if you can pick out the biggest one maybe not the best shot but pick out the biggest one it might pay off big time yeah but that's a risk you're taking too right if you got something a little bit closer at a better shot and you've been sitting for four or five days well yeah there's you know. there's you know, it's there's there's a reason not very many guys have killed wolves. Yeah. And most of the time, it's opportune. You know, even my dad, he he killed That's a wolf. It. He killed a wolf several years ago, and it was it was just chasing a doe. Yeah. He was deer hunting. Yeah. And it was chasing a doe. The doe stopped when it spooked from his him. Okay. And the wolf paused for a second, and he just shot the wolf, and yeah. that was that. Wow. And that's probably ninety percent of the wolves we hear about getting shot are just guys out hunting calling for deer calling for moose calling for elk and the yeah, wolf walks out for sure and gets the smack right yeah most of them yeah most of the wolves we get are just opportunistic harvests. but right? if you're gonna kill them in the in the winter time if you're gonna do a wolf hunt over bait you gotta have a, a good amount of luck a, a lot of patience and you know well you need someone who's been running a bait since january 1st like yourself absolutely and you need a you need a good bait yeah, yeah you need you, a bait you, you that's... can't expect to go throw some meat out there sit there three days later and you have wolves on it because they're gonna they're gonna begin by hitting that bait at night yeah they're gonna hit that bait at night for you know a week two weeks three weeks once they get comfortable and there's bait there they might start slipping up and start coming in and daylight. they're they're not like bears where you fill your bait they hit it and then you know that bear's back every day yeah right if you're feeding him the right stuff, he's back every day, you know, at least, or he's back every couple days. Mm -hmm. But with these wolves, they'll hit it. They'll feed for an amount of time, and it's probably going to be at, at night in the dark or right in those, like, wee hours, whether it's in the morning or the, at night. And then they're going to be gone for probably several days, three or four days, five days, six days, maybe 10 days. And then they're going to come back and check it out again. And then that's why you want to keep having it filled up hopefully have fresh stuff every cycle they come back yeah. because they run a territory, right? Yeah. And your location is everything. You might be right sort of where they're living in the middle of their territory, but you might sort of be on the fringe of one. And that's all just how you're going to see them cycle through it and how many days it's going to take for them to come back. And you just want that bait to be full. And then when you're hunting it, you know, you don't want to change anything. No. You want to be a ghost. Yeah. If you're sitting there, you don't want anything to be different. You don't want your quad to be sitting up on the hill. Uh, you don't want to do any extra walking. You don't want to go check your trail camera first. Like, just go sit and don't do anything different. If yeah. they're if they're visiting your bait, you just got to be a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're tough animals to fool, but you they're probably the around. hardest hardest animal in North America, right? Yeah. That. To, to outsmart. Yeah. You just got to do your homework. 
And you got to have a lot of patience. Lot even, of patience even the yeah. best, you got to sit for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were talking earlier, you uh, added a new hunt package for Primal Adventures and Outfitting. Yes, we're offering, we're now offering a, a new hunting package yeah. uh, for, for our rut moose hunts. Yeah, it's right up your alley. The, it is. It's back so country. It's like a backcountry oriented backpack style hunt. So it, it's your typical rut moose hunt with like a backpacking spin on it. And, and we're advertising it as a, a, an exploratory trophy moose hunt. So instead of hunting the areas that we know produce moose all the time, we're going to be in good moose country all the time. Instead of doing that to get our clients on the most moose possible, the most opportunity possible, this hunt is, is oriented towards exploring new areas, getting deep into the bush, into the wilderness that's not accessible by truck or by quad, um, maybe just boat and and get in there start calling and try and pull some of these moose out these populations that have never seen a human before yeah Yeah, so rather than you know using utilizing the trucks and the quads and and staying in in heated wall tents um you're going to be going back deeper farther with guys who are willing to hunt a little bit harder for example like the the typical hunting package is a six-day moose hunt um, you're going to be staying in a, in a super comfortable wall tent camp with like a full kitchen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a facility to use a washroom. That's Brody's favorite yeah. part. Um, you know, comfortable bed, warm place to be all the time, yes. power and, uh, you know, a place to wash up and all that stuff. And then you hunt by truck, by quad on foot, um, boat, whatever you're doing for the hunt, but you're always coming back to that nice warm camp. Yeah. This exploratory trophy hunt is... Like I said, it's got a backpacking spin on it. So we're taking pop-up tents and we're taking backpacking cooking stoves. And, you know, we're still eating good food. We'll still be packing, you know, real meat, uh, real food as much as we can. You know, there might be a little mix of backpacking food in there just depending on what we can do to keep it fresh. Well, and you would sort of gear that towards the hunter too, right? Absolutely. So it's all depending on the ability of the hunter when it comes to this hunt. That's what's great about about this and what you're doing is you chat with that hunter and you and him sort of plan. We sort of hatch it out, figure out what do you want to do? Yeah. How hard do you want to go? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a 50-inch bull? Are you looking for a 40-inch bull? What do you want? That's right. Yeah. And, And because I don't like to overbook myself, you know, um, I have the availability to sort of customize everything. And, and I like I like to do that. I like the hunter to be able to tell me exactly what he wants to get out of the hunt. Yeah. And then that helps me focus on the areas that I need to focus on to make sure, you know, he's getting what, what, what he wants. Right? Yeah. And, and when it comes to, especially this hunt, back to this exploratory moose hunt, it's... It's geared toward the hunt towards the hunter that wants that trophy moose, mm-hmm. that fifty inch plus. You know, we've I've even seen moose as big as sixty one inches. Wow! In this province, which is an anomaly, I'm not going to advertise that to anybody, and n- nor was I one the in any part in taking yeah that yeah moose, yeah harvesting sure. that moose yeah. But they're out there. Yeah. And they're in those wild places where people can't get to. You can't access it with trucks. They're not in the areas where guys are quadding or the farmland um, or I- even in the main river Valley, mm-hmm. it's off, off the beat path. Yeah. You're going where 
nobody has hunted in several years. You're that, going as far or back ever, as you can. Hopefully, or ever, hopefully, right? The, yeah. the beauty of the zone that we hunt in north central Alberta um, is that it has no access. Yeah. It, basically no access. There's there's about, I think there's about 35 kilometers of road on the west side in total um, that actually go in off the highway. And the highway is about 600 kilometers long. So within a 600-kilometer stretch of highway, there's about 30 kilometers of access into the zone. Yeah. So that's very limited, right? And then there's some river access on the opposite side, and that's what we're planning to use for this particular hunt. Okay. Get up out of the river valley, into the hills, down into some of these backcountry ponds and these sloughs and swamps and lakes, and, and get into these populations that you know nobody's had access to yeah. for a while. And it's, it is a nitty-gritty hunt. You know, we're... Probably cooking in jet boils and and small backpacking stoves, um, sleeping in you know smaller sleeping bags, smaller tents. Um, the weather might not be so nice with the shelters that we have, but yeah. it's it's geared towards getting that trophy animal. Yeah, for sure, and that's the goal. And this is, you know, we're in another unique year for outfitters because everything's. You guys don't know what's going on yet. No, it's it's right? all up in the air. So. Um, so, you know, if if you're a Canadian or even an Albertan and they still allow it and you don't get drawn for a tag, um, you could take an Albertan resident out and do this. Absolutely. And there's a lot of elk in that area too. There is, yep. So who knows? You might have... There's a lot of everything. Yeah, a lot of everything. <laughs> um, so, you know, unique circumstances right now with having hunts available still and um you know cancellations and other stuff like that and everything's still up in the air right if that border opens up um well this hunt is more than likely gonna get hooked up fairly quick but if it interests anybody whether you're a resident or not it's out there it's out there it's out there yeah you can check it all out all the information is out there on uh, primaloutfitting.com yeah or you can contact me through instagram facebook or the website yeah there we go. Fantastic. Um, and that's one thing I'm really looking forward to this year is the moose hunting. Oh man, we, we dabbled in it this yeah. year. We and, just, and we did, we did a fair amount. I think you said it's the most you've ever done. This year but, was the most moose hunting I'd ever we done. We only yeah. dabbled in it. Yeah. It was, it was a good taste of it last year. Well, I had always, always hunted whitetails hard early on. And the reason, the reason was, you know, I just got into bow hunting, say, four or five years ago. So I wasn't quite ready to kill a bull moose, you know, on year one of own a bow and string. Yeah. You know, um, year three, which was year before this past, I killed a moose. This last one, I tried freaking hard. Like, I we came very close. Um, but we don't have elk around here where we live, but we have a lot of moose. Yeah. So I think going forward, at least this year... Um, that early season, that archery moose season, it's moose time. It's time to chase moose. So you're going to focus on moose this year in 2021 for, uh, for archery? Until until the season's over. Yeah, yeah for like sure. 25th or whatever it is, right? Um, just because, you know, we don't have elk in our back door, and there's a lot of moose. And for me to draw a moose tag in a lot of these zones... Like south of town, it's eight or nine years for that rut tag, right? So there's a lot of opportunity for moose hunters with a bone arrow in Alberta. If Absolutely. you know where to go. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, 
And that that's sort of where I'm sitting too. Is I I draw I've drawn it the last couple of years. Yeah. But I've sort of taken a break from bow hunting too the last sort of couple of years until yeah. I I had my my setup really dialed in and and this year I wanted to hunt that zone in particular that yeah. I drew. And, and so we this, noticed there's a, a ton of moose activity, moose tracks everywhere, and it was on that third day I think it was. Um, it was a late start. We tried a new spot, set it, unloaded the trailer and we never got out to this area. It was like 10 AM or I think 9 when 30. we saw the moose, it was nine 30. Yeah, yeah. Like it was late. It was like sunrise considered was what, early. It was like 7 AM. Yeah. 7:30. Like we were cruising up the road and I was thinking this is about when everything goes to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And we weren't, we hadn't been on this, this old trail or road for, you know, 20 minutes and there was this bull moose, just, nice bull. just picture perfect. Yeah. You know, I never thought that you were even going to get a shot off though, because he's seen us Oh yeah, and we seen him and there was nothing in between us. Yeah. There's one little brush pile. Yeah. But he jumped the string. He jumped the string. Man, everyone I tell that to, they're like, no, nah, I've never seen a moose jump the string. So That's I my take old my man. phone out. I told my dad that. He's like, no. I'm like, I'll show you the video. I take the phone out and I show them the red Luminoc flying in the air and how much that moose drops before the arrow even touches him. Yeah, there's a blade of grass right in front of him. Yeah. Like right in front of him. And you can measure with that like blade of grass. inches. Yeah. Because his foot. shoulder was like eight, ten inches above that blade of grass and he dropped below like and six and my broadhead, so my Black Widow PX2, what it did is it, the razor blade, one single razor blade, touched the hump on his back and cut out a little V of skin. Remember? And we found it. I did. That's strange. How did it cut out? A, like, how did it remove a chunk? Because I think, because it? it's spinning, oh, right? It's, so yeah. that razor blade is spinning. So as it's spinning so fast, it goes over his back and... I shit you not. I should actually post a picture of this because I still have it. Oh, I kept do you? it. Oh, no way. We saw the hair fly, right? And I thought, That's oh, right. I cranked that moose. Yeah, yeah. He's going down. And then we looked at the footage and we're like, no, the arrow bounced. So yeah. what had happened is that PX2 blade, it hit his hump right at the hump as he ducked. And it cut out a little chunk as big as a pencil. Yeah. And not quite that long, about four inches long. And all I have is this little V shape of skin with like 50 hairs on it yeah and it never drew blood it's just the white outer skin yeah we never we never drew a drop of blood and that was the first time you know i've i've guided i think i've guided right around 30 moose now and that's the first time i've ever pulled the trigger on a moose wow and just it's just it seems so right that it i never drew a drop yeah and then I missed. <laughs> like everything felt right when I let go of the trigger. I thought he's going down. Yeah. And you know, we saw the hair fly. He sort of pranced twenty yards, and then he stopped and looked at me. And I'm thinking, this is exactly what happens mm-hmm. when you hit him with a bow. Like they don't know what happened, and then they stand there, and then before they know it, they're laying on the ground, right? Yeah. Well, he never lies down. He no. just stands there, and then he takes he off. He ran right back towards me. Yeah. And yeah. then he runs towards you, and he's gone. Because there I'm was like, a. No behind on the end of that cup block there's a little stream a river and he didn't want to cross that so he ran along the border of this cup block circled around to where i was and then yeah crossed further away but uh yeah when i seen that shot you know your what i seen in you 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 had you were acting sort of like you had got him like you were very focused on him 
you know, like you didn't look like like, if like you I never even them, pulled like another I arrow or my anything. Hands up in the air, yeah. or drawn another arrow, right? But um, but yeah, so I didn't know what happened. But he he like ran a good ways. So I'm like, man, I don't know if if you hit him. But I remember seeing the puff, right? Once, and, so he uh, ran about twenty yards and stopped. Yeah, he and did. then it took him about thirty seconds. Yeah, he stayed there for a little. And bit. I thought, okay, maybe I'll get in again. Yeah. But then he was just gone. Yeah. And once he took off a second time, I thought, there's no way I hit him. Yeah. Because I thought I I thought I center punched him. Mm-hmm. And no. Nothing. Yeah, no, that's that's bow hunting though. And even those last these last few podcasts we've done with I couldn't uh, be more thankful though to not draw a drop of blood. Oh, though. for sure. Especially yeah. like it's like Moose is sort of my personal nemesis. Yeah. And it's just it, it, it was comforting with the video that we had. Like oh, we were talking sure. about it earlier today. Yeah. If we didn't have the video, I'd still be sick to my stomach yes. about it. Thinking, because yeah. we never would have found a drop of blood. Yeah. And if Well, it, and, and my moose, like I was telling you earlier today, I don't know what happened. That's exactly what we were talking about because And where we the have, camera angle was, yeah. we didn't get that. We didn't get the arrow because there were some brushes in front of the camera. I felt like the sh- the shot felt so good, like it felt great. But he jumped the string. I too. was, I felt I was steady, and uh, and he he dropped when he ran away. But we couldn't find any blood, couldn't find any arrow. And you didn't have a luminox, so it was didn't hard have to a see. luminox on there. See it, in the, it was in the video. A, sort of at last light. We went back the next day for like eight hours and just searched the whole area for just a drop of blood and nothing. 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 And. Uh, yeah, just absolutely heartbreaking, man. And you're never going to not wonder about that. 50 no. years from now, you're going to think, fuck, I wonder what happened to that movie. Yeah. Right? And if it wasn't, that's what I was saying earlier today. If it wasn't for that video, I'd be feeling the same. Like, I was just, uh, I was sick what, for months what after that. happened? Yeah. Right? And you're still going to wonder. Yeah. And the next moose you look at through your five-pin sight, you're going to think, fuck, this better not happen again, yeah. right? Yeah, no, it's, uh, but that's bow hunting though, right? And after talking to a lot of these guys is you realize that you're going to have misses. Oh, if you do it long enough. And you're going to have shots that you don't know what the hell happened. Like we talked to uh, Bjorn there three or four podcasts ago and what he killed his antelope on like the, what was it? The eighth arrow or something like that. Like it just wasn't working out six arrow. I'm not exactly sure. I, I probably got that wrong, but, um, it just happens and it you just got to keep trying and keep trying. And when I missed like that last bull that I don't know what happened, we thought I might've hit far and a little back maybe, but we still don't know. Um, I don't think I, I hunted with my bow after that. I think I just, I it was, was, done. It was like, I was, it was just rattled. Well, rifle season had opened in some zones already. I think. Yeah. So that was, I think that was right around September, like, like 10th. F- yeah, right I thought it was like there. the sixth or something. Was it earlier than that? Okay, it was pretty. It was pretty early to call a moose. In. Okay, so maybe I did hunt after that with the bow, but um, but yeah, that was a killer, man. That was heartbreaking. It is. Yeah, it and was. Hard, it was heartbreaking because it was just picture perfect. It was perfect. Everything else. Yeah. Right? And just just the end, it was like oh. And I've had a few moments like that, like the first white tail that I <laughs> I still haven't killed the white tail with my bow, and the first. I guess the only one that I released an arrow at, um, I just skimmed right under his brisket and everything was perfect. Yeah. Perfect, man. Um, but just my setup wasn't great and, uh, the arrow just went low and it was one of those moments where it bothered me for weeks after. 
And that's how yep. this moose was, right? Um, and and there was something else. I just can't think of it right now that's happened recently that's that's really bothered me. But it's crazy how you you try so freaking hard for these opportunities. You wait so long. You dream of these opportunities. You get it, and then it doesn't work out. And it's just heartbreaking, man. Yeah, well, you had two moose. Yeah, so the that... first one... You know, I feel like that first one I just didn't take as serious as I should. Like we were that was the first day of elk hunting and we got into elk that morning. I was like close to drawing on some elk, but it just I couldn't I got the camera on them, then I couldn't get a good range, then I'd get a range, but then I had to get the camera on them and I was self-filming and it just didn't work out. We ended up just bailing on the herd because I burned through a camera battery. And then so we went and covered some ground in a different area and it was like three in the afternoon, like middle of the afternoon, basically. And there's two moose in a cut block. And it was just when I spotted them, I was about 400 yards away and there's a few brush piles between me and them. So I told John, I said, well, I'm just going to go from brush pile to brush pile. The closest brush pile to them is 140 yards. So I still got 100 like a hundred yards to cover after that brush pile. And so he was calling behind me. I set up my camera, just set up my tripod. And I said, well, I'm just going to walk in front of the camera. I'll just leave it here. And hopefully I get myself in frame. And sure enough, I got to like 30 yards from, uh, from this bull, but it's, it seemed like it was much farther. Like I felt like I was like 60 yards and I didn't range and I thought I was at like 50 or, or high 40s and I just went right over his back. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't take my time. I didn't range. And every step I took, I was just in disbelief and shock that these moose were just standing They're there looking there. at me. Yeah. Right. So I had went from where that cup lock was at 140 yards got to what was actually like 35 yards, 30 yards from this bull. And I was so shocked that I made it that far that I just drew back, flung an arrow and hope for the best where I probably would have had time to take out my range finder, get a quick range on him, put it back, draw the bow. Cause I flung that arrow and they still stood there. Yeah. And then the cow sort of trotted a little bit. She was like 15 yards from me. She was real close. Um, and then the bull, you know, it took a few steps and then his ass was towards me and then he just slowly walked away. So they didn't see fear in me. Um, and I, I would have had time. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, I definitely learned something, right? Got to get a good solid range. And then when I had that opportunity with you, you were ranging, right? And so I'm pretty sure you told me 20 yards. I used my 30-yard pin, and I think it's because we ranged the the willows, and you're like, the willows is 20 yards. You're standing right behind And he it. was right behind it, and I added 10. But even then, at that range, you only it would have made a, a difference of maybe four, five, six inches at the most. Yeah. You know? Not even. Maybe. It would have been a couple yeah, inches. Yeah. It's hard to say. But, um, but something went wrong there. And like we said, whether I just like, I was full draw for 50 seconds, for 50 seconds, waiting for him to step in front of these willows. 
And um, it could have just been as my arm just one light twitch. I think it was just a jerk everything's reaction. Everything's going. Yeah, just a, just a, just not way, a solid right? shot, right? It's just yeah. And so I, I feel like I did probably hit him because he, he dropped low and then he ran off. But, you know, no blood, no nothing. No. Um, so I could have hit like a hind quarter or something I horrible think, like I that. Think, I don't think you hit him like in the mass of his body anywhere. Okay. I think what happened is his back you just his... hit him like in the top of the ass cheek. Yeah. And that's There's just... something about that ass cheek because I think we've seen... You could see like the green knock and then it just disappears. And yeah. it's where it disappears is like kind of where it looks like it just sort of lines up with that hip. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, you didn't hit any bone cause he didn't hit the ground. Yeah. He just sort it's of so came strange, down and though, man, cause I like, I replay I that, that moment in my head, man. And I was so like, I felt so confident when I yeah. released that arrow. That, that moose is alive though. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. We fucking, we covered every square we for foot. A, a whole of, square mile of that yeah. shot. Yeah. And, um, and nothing. Yeah. Right. No blood. No nothing. We would have seen blood. Like we knew exactly where he where yeah, he ran. We had video of where he ran. We yeah. would have seen a drop of blood. Yeah. And we didn't see anything. Nothing, yeah. So that's hunting, right? That's how she goes. Um. So I'm hoping this year, you know, got to get some more reps in with the bow, and um, and getting close with some with some moose. That's how, co- how cool area. is it though to be at 18 oh, yards with a bow? It's unreal, moose. man. And that was a little one it's unreal and that's like moose elk just those those large ungulates um getting in close is just unreal it's amazing that you can vocalize with them yeah the that's two, what the two so largest cool. animals we have in north america yeah. you can talk to them yeah yeah that's what's so cool and in that area where we where we got onto that moose there's a lot of bulls in that area and that's again one of these zones that takes eight years to draw a rut tag yeah um, and i was talking to fish and wildlife here yesterday when they stopped in and they've noticed that too where some of these areas with these high priorities they're starting to see a really good rebound of moose um and a lot of it too is just a matter of getting a little bit farther back. Oh yeah, getting getting away from those high pressure areas. Getting away from the high pressured areas. But you don't have to go that far. No, no, and that's even like this spot. Like this spot, you can't drive to with a vehicle. You could hike to. You know, you're gonna hike probably. I think it's four or five k. Um, but we usually quad a little ways and then what we, well, my quad broke down that day. That's why you were there. And we had like two hours of legal light and we said, well, why don't we just hunt this last couple hours? And so we walked completely silent. Like we were dead quiet walking and, uh, we walked probably a kilometer and a half through this, this old cut road in this cut block that they had put in to remove the logs. And, um, just a beautiful night, you know, no wind, sun was coming down. Chilly. And we, I don't even think we even made us like, we didn't make, do any moose calls, nothing. We just were slowly we were walking, walking, observing, yeah. right? And we seen that there was moose activity. Like you could see the willows were, top of the willows were all eaten up. There were tracks. And I think there was probably, like that sun was down. It was a half hour. It was right at it the was trees. right as that sun was yeah. going down. And we just set up and... um you let out a fuck a couple grunts and I go and sit 
you so know, there 10 was, feet away. Yeah, there was just this... We came to the end of the road, right? Yeah. And it was like just sort of the end point of a road. And it might have been where they had log piles, logs piled up. Yeah. Because there's that little meadow, right? Yeah. And it was like a 50-yard circle. And to me, that's just like... Like there should be a moose standing here. Like that's like picture. And perfect. when that sun's and the coming, sun's coming down, down man. there's that orange band on the tree line. Yeah. And we're standing in the old burn from 2011. Okay, that was so right? that burnt. That was that was all. That's why it was all burnt, right? And that that we heard that antler hit the tree. He hit a big burnt tree. That's why there were all those gray, right. gray and black yeah, 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 trees, yeah. right? And the willows are only getting to be about 12, 15 feet high. Yeah. And uh, there's moose tracks everywhere. And yeah, it's starting so you, to get into the creek bottoms and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, so you had said, you're like, well, should we call this? I'm like, yeah, let's sit down and call. Like, I was waiting for you to say that. As soon yeah. as we got on that trail, I'm like, yeah, let's get calling. But I'm just going to let him sort of see, like, he wants to kill a moose as much as I do. So I'll let, he has more experience. So I'll let him make the decisions. And you said, you want to call? And I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. So I sat down about 10 feet away from you and, you know, just sort of taking in the moment. And you think to yourself, you know, this would just be so cool if, if it actually worked out for once. Yeah. Right? I like to do but that. But you never expect it to. And you let out a, let out a grunt. And it wasn't so. I, I, I like. Was it that first grunt that he replied to? It was. We didn't. It was almost like we didn't do anything. Yeah. So we we got set up, and I always like to sort of set if I'm with somebody guiding whatever, set that guy up about ten yards away from me. Yeah. Because everybody makes noise, whether you're breathing or putting your hands in your pockets or fiddling with whatever. Everybody just makes noise, and I like to not hear anything, or I like to be able yeah. to distinguish your noise from the noise I'm listening for. For sure, that in makes the sense. bush and okay. distinguish it from my noise, because yeah. I know when I turn my head, my beard scratches my coat, and so everything makes a little bit of noise. For but sure, I'm, I'm trying to listen to everything. And this is an evening with no wind. No everything wind. is dead silent. Everything. There's a few birds and we're, chirping. We're tiptoeing on this on this trail to get where we were, just to keep our sound. And up. it was just a perfect situation. I'm like, hey, Brody, you chill there. Because if the moose comes out your side, well, then perfect. If it comes out my side and it's quick, I'll be ready. If it's not quick, we can get you ready. And I just, I did a, uh, I think I did a long cow call and a couple sort of not aggressive grunts, but just grunts, just yeah. locator grunts. And right away we heard that antler hit the tree. Yeah. And I went, and I whistled at you. <laughs> yes. And then I just seen you, you like lit up and you were like, oh, and then I heard a grunt. And that's yeah. when I was like, get over here. He's yeah. coming. And then we could just hear him walking. Right. And you were only 10 yards away. So you come up right beside me. We sort of cleared a little spot in the grass and, and we just waited. It was just unreal. And it just every step you just hear him. Here he comes. And, you, and then you start seeing his antlers coming over there the willows. Is. Yeah. yeah. And then he stands behind. Brody goes full draw and he stands behind this willow brush at 21 yards so he was so he was coming right in at us but he was when we first like we could hear him coming from he was probably 40 yards away he was within 60 yards of us when we called yeah he, he wasn't that far yeah and so when we got set up while we were getting set up we could hear him walking towards us and moose take their time right but he was coming in oh he, he was coming to the call he was coming in yeah, yeah he was coming in at a pace right so we were just waiting for him to to clear. He was actually displaying because he was when he got close and he got into that clearing. Yes, we couldn't see him yet, but he was in the clearing. Yes, and he could see the meadow, and we were sort of tucked in the corner. That's right. He started grunting. Right. Yeah. He was going, whoa, whoa, yeah. Every walk. 
And yeah. he started doing the head shake. And that's when we could first see his antlers. Yeah. And then so he was behind some, his vitals were behind some willows. We seen his antlers. And so I was expecting him to just keep walking in front. So I draw back and then he stands there for like 50 seconds. And he's I think just, is what and we he's said. looking, right? Yeah. And we can't see him. We can see his leg. We can see a bit of like top his of his antlers, I think. Yeah. And he's just, he's like scanning the meadow. And then I'm like, okay, hey, do I let down? And but the, it's not bad because yeah. like the bow's eighty percent let off, right? So I, I'm somewhat comfortable. You don't when I'm holding that long, I, I sort of I stiffen up my position. But so it's, for me, when I hold that long, it's the mental thing. Like yes. I almost need to reset. Well, that's the thing with like, me. I'm like, okay, do I let down? Yeah. Do I hold? Do I let down? Yeah. Should I let down? What am I gonna do? And then there's a moment, and you can hear it in the he video. He might stay here for two minutes. There's a moment where I say. He stopped, let down. Yeah. And then as soon as I say that, he takes a step. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think I, I remember. I, I should have like, taken my time. I wasted no time. As soon as I had him there, I released that arrow. Yeah. And I chopped that up to just the fact that I've been holding for 50 seconds yeah. and I've been waiting for this yeah. and bam, yeah. done. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in, in hindsight, you probably could have let down and then pulled right back up again. He wasn't going to move. Yeah. Um, but you know, well, in hindsight, going forward, you draw back when you have that shot. When you have the shot on a yeah. moose, um, uh, like say something like a, a, a mule deer um, down south in Alberta, something I haven't hunted, but I've talked with a lot of guys that do this. Mm -hmm. You have to be on the fucking ball. Yeah, you have to be drawn back before you stand up and clear that grass because if that deer sees you, he's gone. Yeah, these moose, especially when you're in a calling situation. Even if you alert them, moose are big animals. Um, they're not they're not skittish like a deer or anything like that. No. Even an elk. They're not skittish like that. They almost take a second to think things over. Yeah. And they're just notorious for that. Mm -hmm. It's just like when they're running, they could they could get all of your wind and turn tail and take off. But if you hit the right note of grunt or cow call, mm -hmm. and it might take several tries, calling, grunting, calling, grunting, eventually that bull's going to take a second to turn and just make sure he's not making a mistake yeah. by running away. Okay. And I don't know what that is, but it's just something moose are notorious yeah. for. Well, and even the so one you that have you have the time. Well, and that's what we've noticed, right? Like that first one, I, I had my bow up in the air and I was sort of, you know, swaying back and forth like a moose as i was walking in uh john was doing a cow call or whatever he was behind me and um and we had their uh their attention and they you know they were not spooking um and then even yours right like it's seen us and uh they're more curious than they're anything. the biggest animal in the bush yeah and they're not used to seeing people walk up to them yeah right they definitely get tuned in in like rifle season. Mm -hmm. It sure seems like because they see a truck or they see a person and they're just like gone. Yeah. And it, but even then, man, like this backcountry hunt that you're doing, you get far enough back where these animals haven't seen uneducated people. populations. Yeah, yeah. Un, that's yeah. what it is. They're uneducated, yeah. uneducated populations. And then even if you can get to some of these semi-high pressured areas, that first couple weeks of archery season where they haven't been pressured, it's gold. Just like this situation. Um, yeah, it's gold, man. It's gold. They've forgotten. They've yeah. forgotten what hunting season is. And it, yeah. and it, it's just less pressure in that early season. There always is, right? Yeah. They're not, they don't know that they have to be on a high alert this time of year. Mm -hmm. and, and 
and the season hasn't quite changed yet either. And I think that kind of contributes to how how they sort of hang out and how they react. Yeah. Because when that when it starts to get cold and that snow starts to fall and the leaves start to change, their diets change, mm-hmm. particularly moose, and everything just sort of goes out of whack for a little while. Yeah. And and that makes the late season tough or it makes the late season great some years. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way that everything sort of falls with the season and, and the change of, of everything, that cycle changes. Yeah. No, it's it's just unreal though how you can talk to these moose, um, you know the, the calls and how good they sound and how these bulls just—it's amazing. Like, it's so much fun, know, man. Yeah. Um, so you got a lot of moose hunting hopefully ahead of you this year. What do you have left for allocations up north? We have right now. We have available. A few are up in the air, obviously with Americans. Yes, right now available. I have six rut hunts and five or sorry six rut hunts so that is six basically hunts, from the yeah. start of archery season so september 1st well september I, if, 1st, if, if okay. you're a bow hunter august 25th i have to actually verify the zones um august 25th i can do a, a bow hunt because yeah. i have permits available in a, in a separate zone anyway so august 25th to october 31st i run First section is archery rut hunts, and then the, that whole middle section yep. is the rifle rut hunt, and then there's a late season hunt as well. And there's well. two different zones you have tags in? There's two different zones, yeah. yeah. They're, they're neighboring units that are okay. divided by a river. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so there, there's availability, and um, right now we have special Canadian pricing. Just You just got to contact Primal, Primal Outfitting for, yeah. for information. So. Right on. Awesome. So yeah, I'm pumped up about that, man. I think that's, uh, that's one thing I really want to focus on, at least around home here is, uh, is trying again at a, at a, at a bull moose, you know, we have, it's like bears. We are in moose country. There's a lot of moose around here. There's a lot of country, you know, we don't have to worry about getting private land permission or anything like that. Um, so it's a no brainer. Why aren't we? You know what I mean? We can hunt whitetails. Prime whitetail hunting isn't until November anyway. So, you know, yeah. I'll let them be for a little bit. And you know what? You might have an opportunity at, at a whitetail in velvet early on when you get back into some of these areas where these moose are hanging out. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. And, and well, it's just, it, it's almost, it's a good problem to have, I guess. But it's tough in that early season because you got the moose and you got the elk. Yeah. And so, well, we're so fortunate with all the opportunity we do have here in Alberta, but, um, you know, elk, it's, elk it's have, like, I've really struggled with elk it's the last first, few years. That's, that's what I'm trying to get to is it's, it's like first world problems here. We have, we're spoiled. So it's tough to make that decision sometimes yeah. whether like, okay, do I chase elk? And you know, I might see a moose, I might run into a moose or do I go and like focus and try and get a moose, but then you're kind of out of the elk area. Yeah, you know you're sort of they they are they do hang out in the same areas, but for me, if I'm really gonna target moose, I'm putting the elk away for the day. And for it, sure, it's tough. Yeah, to to make that decision well, and that's in that it early too, season, right? But uh, yeah, that's it too. Is is um, a lot of times when you hunt elk, you might have an opportunity at a moose too, right? I I had. I had multiple opportunities well, with moose me, this year elk hunting. But when I, I put that stock in that first moose, I was elk hunting. Yeah. Right? That's just how it goes. But um, but yeah, the only issue with me with elk is we gotta travel so far, right? And um yeah, that, it's, well, that's it's nice thing. to be closer to home and 
and be home with the family in the evenings and stuff like that so we can save those sort of weekend week things for uh for group hunts and stuff like that so you know we'll see uh come september you know 20th 17th when rifle opens for elk um for myself elk is a little more appealing with the rifle i haven't had an opportunity to get in close or at least draw back a bow at one yet like yeah. we were close here in late august um but uh but it's tough it's it's super tough i just don't have nearly enough experience there yet so it's, so i think for me you know the thing with elk this year you know we'll probably chase them with bows while we early on because that'll be the only chance but once rifle opens up um we'll definitely pressure the elk a little bit harder well and once rifle opens up you're you're done for the most anyway right pretty much you got you got a week though you, you got, got that, that you got week. that layover that just pisses me off because then i gotta make the decision well That's, am i bringing the go. bow and go. i only have it you know am i bringing the bow and i and then I'll have a chance at an elk or a moose, or do I bring the rifle in case I see an elk at 100 yards, 200 yards, and I can take a whack at it, right? Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing that last whole week. I hunted five days of that last seven days. And Do you and bring I, a bow and I, a rifle? I was or? packing both. You are packing both, yeah. yeah I have. I, I, I watched a moose cross the river on me, and I, I got footage of me just, like, tearing my backpack apart getting my boat because I had my rifle out because I had elk calling at me and then I see this moose cross the river and so I'm like hey like plans change right bird in hand yeah so throwing all my shit together and switching it all out and taking off after the moose and yeah just to do it all over again right you know and that's and that's always an option too but, but it's uh, tough though it's, it is it's tough. just you know you're hauling an extra 10 pounds an extra extra weapon on your back that's taking up a lot of room and yeah it's one or the other for me i've sort of found but uh, you know we are super fortunate though how how uh you know how much wildlife and opportunity we have around here so we'll just yeah. wait and see i'm gonna decide when i'm uh when i'm doing my sheep this year yeah I'm, I'm on the fence about this opening week bullshit yeah it was uh it was a circus this year yeah well let's just hope that that some people get back to work and life sort of gets put back to normal. Um, yeah, if, every, if everybody wants to take opening week of sheep season off of sheep hunting, uh, feel free. <laughs> Go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's tough too with sheep because you only have so many accesses and points that you can go to, right? Well, and it's just like last year, it got so flooded. And yeah, every everybody I talked to, told everybody me the same thing. said we saw more guys than we knew what to do with. Yeah, and we saw the same thing. Um, and it was just, it was just so much fun when we went in October. Yeah, so you did a late season mid October. It was Thanksgiving weekend. We okay, went. wow, we gone four days. And yeah. that was uh, in, an enjoyable hunt. It wasn't it too was, cold, not too much snow. It was bearable. No, it was good. We were all, I think we were all dressed properly. You know, yeah. it was snowing and, and cold every day. Yeah. It was in the minuses, but it was it was great. It was a good trip. Yeah. There was nobody around. Um, I think we would have been on sheep every day if it weren't for, you know, a pack of a dozen wolves coming through that first and day. And that time of year, too, if you can locate the ewes, you'll find the rams because those rams will be chasing those ewes. That's right, yeah. yeah. And and they were that's 
that was sort of the idea, you know, going in, in mid let's late October. Let's just find sheep because if just we find get on the sheep, sheep yeah. there's going to be it's like deer, right? Come November, they start to congregate for that. If you can find rut. a doe, you're going to find a buck. If yeah. you can find a buck, well, you found one. But if you find a doe in August or September, you might she might only have a fawn with her, right. right? So, and that's sort of how sheep season is, right? When you go in early, you're going to find a band of rams, or you're going to find a hundred use. Yeah, <laughs> like and, and you it's did. it's. And th- yeah, exactly. When you go in early, and it's it's interesting because you you're gonna find that that early season, you're gonna find those ramps in their summer range. Yeah, you're gonna find them where they've been living for the past few months, weeks, whatever, um, and they haven't been bugged. Nobody's been, none of us yahoos have been crawling up on the on the cliff sides and the mountain sides and peering over the edges with binoculars and setting up tents on the ridge lines and nobody's been doing that all summer the guys do that set up tents we can like oh false false camps and shit oh that happens all the time really absolutely especially here really yeah yeah a lot of guys never even thought of that wow setting up a fake tent and just you just leave it and then you go you're camping somewhere else yeah you just don't want people to be hunting there, so you just leave your tent there. Interesting. Like, yeah. Some guys will do that for sure. That's we had guys. That's take... a touchy topic because you know if you know that people are doing that, and then you go and hunt that area, but then someone happens to be tenting there, you know, what do you do? That can. I just don't like to be around people. Usually, if I see somebody, I'll if I see somebody off to the left, I'll take an immediate right. Yeah. And I just because I'd I'd rather not see sheep. And not see people, then see yeah. people and sheep. Because yeah, if, if sheep. I see sheep, I'm instantly anxious that, like, like if I see people and sheep, I'm instantly anxious, anxious there's going to be bullshit. Yeah. Right? And I just, that's not why I'm into it. I'm not going to about to foot race a guy for no. even the world record ram. Yeah. It's just, I would rather, much rather climb two more mountains and get away from them. Yeah, for sure. And... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the guys that do that kind of shit, I mean, yeah, it's just playing games. Yeah, for sure. So are you going to get out and do some scouting early on? For sheep? Yeah. Um, I would like to get out in the summertime and do a little bit of scouting. I always like to. Is it going to be as important, though, if you're going in October? Um, no, the scouting for sheep is really more of, you know, as long as you're in sheep country... I think that's the most like important thing. That's step one. Ready it's for, a conditioner. Yeah. It's more of a access scouting trip. You're, okay. you're, you're scouting to see how easy it is to get into the area. Yeah. How many days it takes you. How many hours it takes you. How shitty you feel when you get in there. Yeah. Like, have you been scaling loose rock all day or have you been walking on the foot trail with signs on it yeah. every couple kilometers right and and so that's what i like to do in the summertime if i'm checking out a new area i just want to get in there and if i see sheep shit on the side of the mountain i'm happy mm-hmm. because you know hopefully they're there when i come back yeah exactly but it doesn't matter because it's weeks or months away yeah and something's gonna push them around anyway yeah for sure so Right on. Well, now you got wolves to deal with, and then uh, and then bears, and then well, onto the the sheep fun, yeah, and and keep try try to keep finding some time for fishing. Yeah, for sure. We slipped out in as much as we can. We slayed them last weekend. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> and you were less than a kilometer away. Yeah. Well, you were probably it's probably about you're probably three kilometers yeah. away. Yeah. Same lake. Same depth. Same line. Yeah, we were fishing right around. I would say eight or nine feet of water. Yeah, we were about 10 and 11. Okay. But we couldn't find anything else. 
were you looking for so we were fishing a, a northern lake that is tough to access in the summertime but winter it's fairly decent access um, so the lake doesn't get overfished so there's usually a good quantity of fish in the lake usually Absolutely. we've done fairly decent in this lake it's a big lake it is a big lake yeah and um there's pike in there there's walleye there's perch burbot um everything you can sort of expect of some of these northern you know not super deep lakes but um we were targeting pike were you guys looking for walleye or perch well, or were specifically you specifically pike you were after yeah, pike we're too. after pike so the, the idea was just let's go fish the the weed line yeah and we could not catch a fish to save our life. Wow. Couldn't get a nibble. Did you see any other tracks or anyone else fishing in that particular area? There was a few other people. So we accessed the lake in two different spots, right? You yeah. accessed the, the southern access. I used the northern access. It's yeah. about 10 kilometer difference on the highway. And by the time you're on the lake, it's about four or five clicks difference along that same shoreline. So we're fishing the same weed line. Yeah. You're just in the bay. Where I'm sort of that's right along the main shoreline. Yeah, and the whole lake on that north northeast corner is just a plateau, and it's it's got to be pretty much ten feet all the way, almost all the way to the island, right? And then it sort of dips off in the yep. middle there. But looking at the topography map and and it, all the resources I could find online while we were there, it just looks like it's just a flat slate. Yeah. And so, you know, what what can you do but fish the weed line, especially for pike? Mm -hmm. And we just didn't have a nibble. Yeah. Not a damn thing. And one thing we've noticed on this lake, too, like we set up and we didn't have any bites the first hour. And I told Amy, I said, this lake, typically we usually move around quite a bit till we find the fish. Yeah. Right. And so there was two other groups out there on our access. Okay. And they were moving around sort of a little bit but so were we because we weren't catching fish yeah. and then you had said you guys were the first one on your side so yeah we were the first one out on the lake at this point this was at like 8 a.m and we got out there early and we just like there was no one there typically what i'll do is you'll see a cluster of people yeah. and we'll say hey let's go 100 yards away from them yeah. in one direction whatever's going to benefit us the most but there was no one so i'm like well I'm just going to find a spot, you know, I don't want to go all the way to this island because it's too far, you know, it's, there was only a foot of ice, so Amy was a little sketched out. So we said, you know what, let's fish closer to the shore, but I don't want to go in deep into, like, I don't want to go close to shore. We usually fish probably a kilometer offshore yeah, or like 800, 700 yards. And so I just picked a random spot. We dropped a line, set up the tent um got the heater going like it takes me half hour to get everything set up right yep. but i was okay with tearing down and moving if it means we're going to catch fish so we fished for half hour no bites fished for an hour no bites it wasn't until about an hour and a half later we had our first bite and it was non-stop for six hours um we had probably 75 bites Wow. And we landed 25 fish, but every single fish, the, the size limit was six, had to be over 63 centimeters. Every single fish was within three centimeters of that size. So that is one age group of fish. Yeah. Oh, so that's I talked a generation. to Fish and Wildlife that's, about yeah. that. I said, there was a, nothing smaller than 60, nothing bigger than 66 centimeters. So we have one age group of fish. And so because this lake... So do you think you might have been catching the same fish? 
over and over and over again well we kept so we kept our limit of six okay but i don't you know we might have the thing yeah. with pike is they'll hammer that yeah yeah and they'll keep coming back and they're, they they're pretty ferocious they'd hammer it they'd yeah. miss it and it'd come right back right but we'd have like triple headers where we'd all have them on it was non-stop um and so we just happened to set up not far from you know a bunch of cover and and a weed bed and so it just worked out into our favor it took them a while to find it but it worked out but this lake because it's not super deep is it winter kills in sections yeah right so you'll have pockets where it's a little bit deeper the walleye which stay deeper will usually survive the pike which you know don't go super shallow don't go super deep um, sometimes those ones will winter kill right and, and the perch will winter kill because they're shallow but we should mention in this lake so we're we are actively targeting like 20 plus pound pike that's what i'm looking for that's i caught we an 18 that's what we were both there for yeah i caught an 18 pounder three or four years ago not these four pound pike yeah, yeah. and so so that's what I was after. So I'm like, let's look for pike. We want to. Yeah, that's like, what we, we were doing catch too. Pike. Right? I told my dad, you know, he's he really wanted to go fishing last week, and I he's like, where do you where do you want to go fishing? Yeah. I said, well, let's go big game fishing. <laughs> yeah, let's go try and catch some monsters. <laughs> and you know, he's worked up there forever, and yeah. so he's fished it quite a bit. And he's got, you know, he could talk your ear off with stories, but fuck, we could not catch a fish to yeah. save our life. Um. So come like 11 o'clock we looked out our window and then there was 10 guys you know on yeah. our side of the lake so more people had came on the lake but it doesn't get pressure too hard it does winter kill and so that's that was sort of the reasoning for us to just catch that one size limit of fish but if you have that quantity of fish you're gonna have a few big ones in there well too, and we've right? already seen some photos from that lake yeah we had this a guy year, show us one the other day from was that lake 25 that was a pounds. 25 pounder they claimed and yeah. that was a big fish so they're in there right and yeah. they're they survive yeah they have to they those gotta be old fish I, i'd be curious to know how big how old a 25 pound pike is yeah for sure right like is it is it five is it eight is it well, 15 so I was told that these fish that are right around this 60, 63, 65 centimeters are going to be around three or four years old. Okay, that's that seems about right proportion to how they grow, right? Yeah. Like, a, like a hammer handle jack is like a yearling kind of. Yeah, exactly. Looks like a snake, right? Yeah. And so... Um, so we measured every single fish that we landed. Right. Just because they were all so close and we didn't want to keep a 63 but we knew if we caught a 65 yeah you better throw it in the bucket that might be one of like four or five of that day right yeah. so we measured every single fish we caught and it was just amazing how close all of them were and we'd land one we're like oh yeah he's girthy that one's gonna be you know an easy 66 and he turned out to be 62 or 61 right. just because you know four or five centimeters on a fish is very deceiving well they could have the centimeter in their width for sure instead of in their length exactly. right because they are they do vary in size at that point exactly but the thing with those pike man like even those ones they hit that hook so hard they'll peel your drag as far as oh, you'll you, let them you know you got a fish and they are fun fish to catch yeah. and the thing is we had three we had four holes drilled beside each other in the lengthwise of our tent and you'd catch one actually Amy or Jackson caught one. And so my rod was in a rod holder. The fish went over, tangled up with my line, pulled my rod into the hole. And I'm like, shit, I lost my rod. This would be the third rod on this lake I've lost over the past five years. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> and so we pull this fish up and the rod just comes right yeah. up with it because he's tangled in the line and that's what they do is they barrel roll they under do the there gator they get roll, tangled yeah. up in everyone's freaking line and it was just we took a photo of jackson with like three lines tangled up holding a bunch of hooks that got all tangled and and yeah i know it's it's a lot of fun man and you know even if you aren't catching those giants um you know it's it's well, fun when you're catching yeah any, fish like any that. day you're fishing non-stop you're catching fish non-stop yeah. is a good day of fishing so what were you guys using for hooks? So I started out, like I tried everything. We, I started out just using some flashy spoons. Okay. Um, you know, and we're using minnows. And so everybody sort of picked, there was three of us, everybody sort of picked a different colored spoon and yeah. we just started fishing. And, you know, you're allowed to fish with, uh, with two rods each person in the yeah. wintertime. So we had dead sticks for everybody too. And just not thing so we'd move you know a couple miles towards you guys and same thing nothing okay so let's change to jig bodies and so we tried jig bodies for a while nothing move again switch to like rattling rapalas and and jigging rapalas and stuff and nothing and then it's just like yeah so our, yeah, our sort just... of go-to in the winter and one of the only things that we sort of resorted to using is just a, a basic jig head with a minnow on it right yeah. Whether we're fishing walleye or pike or burbot, we always have good luck with that. Um, and we were, you know, it was nonstop. But then I got to a point, I'm like, we're catching this many fish. I Let me try something different. So I grabbed the biggest spoon I had. And I thought, if I'm going to catch a big fish, I got to use a big hook. Big hook, yeah. Right? So I grabbed the biggest spoon I had, which wasn't one of those great big four or five inches. This was like a three inch one. Yeah. And a few of the bigger pike we caught, I caught on that hook. And, um, what I want to do next time, because we sort of located where some of these fish are, I dropped coordinates. I can get somewhat close is, you know, get a five inch spoon, like a big, a one. big spoon, Yeah, you know, and I see a lot of guys who, who catch these big pike, they take a photo and dangling out of their mouth is a five or six inch five of diamonds, yeah. right? Like a big spoon. So I'm going to try jigging with a, a, a bigger spoon that those smaller fish just won't bite on. Like they might, but they, you know, it's as big as their mouth basically, yep. right? So yep. that's what I want to try when we go back to target some of those bigger fish. Um, so, um, yeah, like I had, I haven't jigged much with spoons in the past, but you know, I caught quite a few with it and, um, that's what I'm going to try next is get a big spoon and uh, see if we can s somehow, you know, intrigue some of those bigger fish to, uh. Well, I, f on, I finally, so. I was hoping I'd be able to try it this week here, but you know, the week's over already. I finally, finally, finally got my fish camera. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. And in to, that lake, it would that. be perfect because yeah. when you're only dealing with eight, nine, 10 feet of depth, you got lots of light, lots of light, lots of visibility. Yeah. So that would be really good. Like I would have been very interested to see down under where we were because in front of where we were fishing, like we get, the ice was only a foot thick so we could see right there was no vegetation in front of us but behind us there was a heavy weed bed and we seen driftwood and what these fish would do they'd come out of there and hammer our hooks and they'd go right in there and they'd get tangled up in the weeds and we'd be pulling weeds up well they're the ambush fish. predators right they're yeah they're, they're spot and stalk sneak attack for so sure dart out grab it dart back in and the thing with pike too is they they hunt 
in the daytime yeah. with that light. They're light hunters. They're predator. light hunters. Yeah. So you're going to have great luck catching them at 10, 11 noon, like midday, where walleye, I've found personally, and, and even Ling. Um, those golden hours. Or those golden hours. That's yeah. right. And we caught, a, I've caught, I'm, I would like to say it's probably the biggest bird I caught was this past weekend. Um, but it's so hard because all those burbot, you pull them up and they always seem big. They always seem big. But this yeah. one was, I, I would say, probably an eight or ten pounder. And this was right as we were about to leave. It was a dead stick. The pike were not touching those dead sticks. The pike wanted the hooks well, coming up that's and down. Right. You'll find that you'll you'll almost always catch your burbot on your dead sticks. And that's right? what it was. Because they're just they're bottom feeders. Amy so you had got a fish. A, you got a minnow laying on the right close to the bottom or yeah. maybe a couple inches off. They're going to sit there. We watched on the camera last year. We did. They're going to yeah. sit there for a couple minutes, maybe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're just going to take a big gulp of water, suck that hook in, and then they might just stay sitting there. Yeah. And you go to lift your line up, and there's this big dead weight on the bottom of exactly. it. Exactly. And then you reel up the snake, and, and he flips around in the was. hole, and yeah, gets you all slimy. Yeah. So I, I'm... You know, I, uh, the last few we caught a couple of weeks ago, I put them back because I said, I just wasn't happy with the meat. Yeah. Um, but I was told, you know, boil them and then put some garlic butter on them and like lobster uh, and try them that way. Right. So that's yeah. what I'm going to do. And I'm actually very excited to try that. We had pike last night and it turns out Jackson is all of a sudden has established and, uh, an allergy to fish yeah you know it's crazy because we had walleye about two weeks ago and he he was sort of complaining that he had a stomach ache he literally had like two p one piece you know maybe two little pieces and all of a sudden he said hey i have a stomach ache i don't want it and when you have kids who are six five years old if they don't like the food they're gonna do whatever they can to get out of that yeah. right so so we chopped it up to he just doesn't like it and that's that you know, so, so we said, you know what, you have a stomachache, well, let it be, don't eat it, eat the rest of your food, if you want something else, we'll make you something else. We had fish last night, and uh, so we made him meatballs, he wanted meatballs, so we made him meatballs, and I got this new Cajun spice for this pike, and they turned out absolutely awesome. So I said, hey, Jack, just try one. He's like, no, I don't want to, I'm not going to feel good. I'm like, come on, it's a tiny piece, just try it, right? He tries it, he's like, oh, that's good. Then all of a sudden he's like, "Okay, I have a stomach ache, my throat's sore," and uh, so again, we never thought anything of it. We're like, "Okay, well here he goes again. He doesn't yeah. like the fish, right?" We're like, "Sit down, eat your food," and then he starts complaining some more. So we say, "Okay, you know, go to bed, relax, have some water," and uh, so he did. We started eating. Amy went and checked on him ten minutes later, and his eyes are swelled up. So we're like, "Well." You know, he's clearly had a reaction to this, right? So got some Benadryl, he felt better within, you know, an hour or so. But uh, yeah, it's crazy because he had fish this summertime, had fish, you know, last winter. And um, all of a sudden he's got a allergy to it. Yeah. But kids will do that. Like they'll have, they'll create an allergy to whatever it is and then kick it as they get older. Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, but we'll oftentimes see it, it does get a little bit worse before it gets better, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but, it's so. just the poor kid. You know, we went on that that elk hunt with him. We ended up killing a deer. We get our photos, video with the deer, and then he touches his eyes and his eyes swell up like apples. Yeah, he's like his eyes are swollen shut by the so time. So he's he gets allergic to, the truck. to to like animals touching them. He can eat meat, no issues. 
He loves fishing, but now he's allergic to eating the damn fish, man. So just can't catch a break. And that's what he told me. He said, well, dad, I can still fish and I like getting fish mounted so we can just mount them. All. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we can't mount them all, but you know, you can still fish. Yeah. That's, that's not going anywhere. So, but I uh, know that's life, man. Right. It's full of surprises. So. Yep, no, it's, you, you know, you might be, you might find yourself with a vegan. We're, we were joking about <laughs> yeah. that last night, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully he kicks it and, yeah, you know, at least, at least he can still enjoy fishing and yeah, he likes his red meat. So Oh yeah, no, he, he, he loves fishing and loves hunting, right? Like that's, that's, these kids have just been raised in a family of hunting and fishing and, and that's, they love it as much as we do. Actually today we're sitting at the table and. Jackson's been talking all day how he wants to build a fort and how he's going to get yep. money for this fort. And so uh, he, he's he got this idea. He's going to build fishing hooks. Okay. He's going to build spoons. Yep. So I said, okay, I'll invest $500 into your business, buy your stuff, but I want 50% of the cut. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that's too much. And uh, I said, okay, you make me a counter offer. And we're sort of going back and forth playing games. But yeah, you know, that's just... He loves it, right? Loves yep. fishing, wants to make fishing hooks. Um, and I actually, when I was a kid, I, I made fishing hooks and I actually set up at the mall here. Oh, okay. When I was like 10 years old wow. and a, a little table and sold fishing hooks. Wow. And I was telling this story and so that's what he wants to do. And, you know, that's just our life, right? Yep. It's it's hunting and fishing. So, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, that now we really got to watch um, him with, with fish, with eating fish, but, um, you know, we just got to monitor it and hopefully, uh, hopefully he kicks it, but, uh, you know, hunting and fishing ain't going nowhere. That's what we do. That's so, right. That's yeah. right. Awesome, man. Well, let's wrap her up an hour and a half. It's supposed a to be podcast. a short and sweet one today, but, uh, we went on a little longer, but oh, well. they're yeah. always good. You always betcha. fun. So, um, we are mid January right now. We'll probably have one or two more podcasts in that first week of February. I'm gone, going on lynx hunt, chasing little cats with dogs. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that, man. Really excited for that. Um, you know, the cougar hunt didn't work out, but when we released those dogs on that cat, it was freaking intense. So I'm looking forward to experiencing that again here. And I'm going with our good friend, Joey from T-Rex Knives. We're going to go see if we can come back with a few links from British Columbia. And uh, yeah, we should have one or two podcasts between then. So we'll announce the winner for the last podcast giveaway on the next podcast. That's right. Which will be next week. Yep. And I think we'll get a guest on for next week too. A few people I've been speaking with, so. Sounds good, man. Yeah, no, it's, you know, we're we're making our way through. We keep staring at this calendar and it's the wrong <laughs> I <year>. know. <laughs> it's just a habit to look at a calendar and it's just um, December. <laughs> yeah, no, we're 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 making it through the wintertime. We're surviving. It's supposed to get cold again. It's been very ugly and mild the last few days. Very warm and windy. Not really good for fishing or hunting or anything. We might actually take advantage of the mild weather and go shed hunting on Sunday. I that think. would be a good idea while well, there's no snow. Yeah, because um, our Reconico trail cameras that have been sending us photos, um, looks like all of the deer, every single one now, has shed its antlers. Perfect. And they've been hitting the minerals hard, yeah. like does, bucks, this is a very important time for them. Those does that are pregnant, they need the phosphorus, calcium, magnesium, and proteins now more than ever, um, you know, to 
create a healthy if they have a buck in there the the time they are in the womb um is so so important that they get the proper nutrients if they if they are if they aren't getting the proper nutrients they will not reach the maximum potential when they are a mature buck right this time um is so so important for does it's super important for yearlings right they're going to be growing and maturing every single day and you want those bucks to be getting as much phosphorus and calcium right now too so when they start regrowing that antlers which is happening as soon as they shed that new antlers starting to regrow um, they got the proper nutrients to do that so yeah they've been hitting the mineral sites hard and we have you should have a good confident should that have a good we, congregation of antlers around your mineral sites then for sure for sure. And with not much snow, um, they're hitting these these mineral sites almost daily or every second yeah. day. So we just follow some trails and, yep. and see what we can come up with. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that and um, might take a break from fishing this weekend. We'll see. We fished the last like three weekends. Um, so, you know, take a little break. I've got to get the damn monkey off my back. I haven't caught a fish in a couple yeah. weeks now. <laughs> so it's, I've gone fishing every <laughs> weekend. Killer, and it's, man. It's well, you got been, that new fish camera. Yeah. So that, that's exciting. Well, now I just have no excuses, right? If I exactly. don't catch fish, I don't know what to tell people. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Better just stick to, stick to moose hunting then. Yeah, for sure. Right on guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it big time. And, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on social media instagram and facebook um actually one of our sponsors badlands canada they just launched launched their instagram page this year check them out on instagram like and follow badlands canada check them out on facebook as well and um yeah thanks so much for listening guys tune in next week for another podcast